one touch when you're this hungry, when you're this thirsty, one touch changes your life forever. Your love has conquered every fear, broke down each wall. There are so many notches in that key to breakthrough. I've made duplicates of the key, and I will give them to anyone who will take one. Such as I have, give I thee the key to breakthrough. I'm going to focus in on this. I'm going to fast for this. I'm going to pray for this. I'm going to worship for this. I'm going to be in the house of God every night for this. I'm going to press in. I'm going to hunger. I'm going to thirst. I'm going to get desperate. I'm going to get in every line. I'm going to put my feet on the blue line for this one day. More of you. Less of me until it's all of you and none of me. Hello friends, Dr. Debbie Rich here with Keys to Breakthrough, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. Please let us know where you're watching from and um, give us some comments and feedback. If this is blessing you, if you're getting anything out of it, if you have questions, um, whatever it is, and we will try to address any of those. We have been on a series since I have come back to doing this program on a regular basis, a series on who are we river people? Who is our company? And every few weeks I do a little bit of a review as I did last week. I'm not going to do that again today. We have too much to cover uh, to keep doing that. But I will just say that one, the part that we're on right now is we are people of the Holy Ghost. We are people who have either had a Holy Ghost download or we desire one, or even if we've had one, we know that what it takes to get, it takes to keep. So we want one after another, after another, after another. We talked last week about the suddenlies of God, about what it means to get in one accord, and what Acts chapter 2 was talking about. And I want to kind of pick up from there today. When the Holy Ghost comes in, something is for sure going to happen. It will never be dull church. It will never be business as usual. It never will be uh, man's head and great expertise and life coaching that gets the job done. Uh, just some uh, three points and, and to the 47 ways to the 19 steps of how to get something done. It's going to be power. It's going to be glory. It's going to be heaven's plan and purposes that, that will be manifested in that meeting. And when he comes in, for sure, you can plan on something will happen. If you can understand everything that happened in that service, and you can explain it in your natural mind, something is very wrong. The Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, they were bewildered uh, and said, what meaneth this? Well, if you can follow the bulletin step by step, at 10 o'clock, there will be an opening prayer. At 10.05, there will be two minutes of testimonies. At by 10.30, worship will be over after two fast songs, two slow songs. And then we will have five minutes of pitiful prayer requests. And then after that, because we are Pentecostal, at, at 11.19, we always wait one minute to see if God wants to say something. So we wait on the gifts of the Holy Ghost. 
mm, guess he didn't have anything to say today because this is the slot we give for him to do it at. And then there is a 30-minute message and then the last rites and we're out of there. And nobody's changed. And you can follow every step of that in the bulletin. What time Sister Susie's going to sing for the offertory, everything. And you go, oh yeah, there was nothing that shocked me about this. I saw just here everything that would happen. And that's the way it happened. And not on the day of Pentecost. When the suddenlies of God come in and people get in one accord and are hungry for the Holy Ghost, everything is upended. The altar call could be first. There could be nothing but a giving teaching. There could be where you you don't even do that at all. It could be that the Holy Ghost comes in two minutes after somebody starts to preach the main message and falls on everybody and preaches louder than the preacher and that he can't even finish his message that he prayed and fasted for. You never know what's going to happen when the Holy Ghost comes in and he keeps it very exciting. If you try to address spiritual issues with natural thinking, guess what, folks? The result is always religion. And they didn't have religion on the day of Pentecost, and that was the day that the church was birthed. That was the pattern for how we're supposed to have church. Once we receive the Holy Ghost, it's done by the Holy Ghost, not man's planning and thinking. So we don't want religion. Aren't we all sick of that? We... Most of us came out of religion. A lot of you may have come directly out of the world and didn't know anything, but some of us had to unlearn some things that we learned in religion. And and so we want to keep a Holy Ghost all the way through. So without the Holy Ghost, you and I are only going to build more and more religion. And religion has torn the world apart. Religion has created wars Religion has divided people. Christianity is not religion. It is a relationship with the living God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the captain of the host, the head of the church, our savior, our mighty deliverer, our baptizer in the Holy Ghost and with fire, the one who is our healer, the one who's our joy giver, our wisdom giver, that one, we have a relationship with him. Without the Holy Ghost, you'll only build more religion, and nobody out there is waiting for more religion. They're waiting for truth. They're waiting for reality. They're waiting for, is there a, a real God who's alive and well? Don't show me more religion. I've seen it over here. I've seen it over there. Give me something real, and you cannot give out what you have not had yourself. That's why we must have continual Holy Ghost downloads. John Wesley said it this way, I just light myself on fire for God and people come to watch me burn. Now, I know religious people would, would have a fit with that. Oh, you don't light yourself on fire. God has to do that. No, here's what he's saying. If you get out of your religious mindset, he's saying, and Wigglesworth put it this way, if the Holy Ghost doesn't move, I move him. <gasps> Blasphemy, you can't move him. Here's what he's saying. According to the will and purpose of God and what we see in the Bible, the Holy Ghost is more willing to move than we want him to move. He's always ready. He's always on the move. So we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. So both of them are saying it a little bit different, but here's what they're saying. I'm assuming he wants to move. So I get myself ready. I activate my faith. I stir up my own hunger and thirst. 
and I make a demand on the anointing and I yield to him and we're going to see something happen. If you get on fire enough, people will just come to watch you burn. And that's what we need. A whole generation like that. Peter and John got a download in Acts 2. So then by Acts 3, we read this in verse 6. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He did, they did not say, you know what? I don't really have anything, but I have a great pastor who's got something. Let me try to think what he says. Let me try to give you what he has. No, they didn't even say, you know, the Lord left us with some parting words. I will try to give. They said, we're going to give you what we got. We got something now. Before the day of Pentecost, we didn't have that. But we've got fire now. We've got anointing. We have the Holy Ghost residing not only on the inside of us, but he's come upon us. And we have heaven to give you. We have signs and wonders and healing that will be that will actually leave us and go into you. What we have, we're going to give you. So you might say, you know what? I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. And you know what? That's enough for me. You wild Holy Ghost people, you can have all that. I only want salvation. Well, thank God that you're going to heaven. But don't you want to have more to give somebody else? You must have. You need to have the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said, don't do anything else until you get filled. Don't start a church. Don't start a Bible school. Don't start a ministry until you receive power from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So you've got to have what they had to do what they did. Peter's shadow had revival in it. Wow. <laughs> it's one thing to carry revival. It's another just to have your shadow back there. People just get in the shadow and they're healed. Are you kidding me? But shadows are only found where the person themselves is. So for somebody to even get in the shadow, they're pretty close to that tangible, transmittable anointing of the one whose shadow is being reflected. They're just getting, you know, when, when there is power somewhere, whether it's nuclear power or whatever, you don't have to actually touch it. You just get in the vicinity where it's casting off that power and you're going to get in on it. And that's what you and I are supposed to be carrying. We are carriers of revival. We are impregnated with it. It should be oozing from our pores like it was John G. Lakes during that, that, that time, that horrible time of that terrible plague. And here he was in South Africa and people are dying, thousands everywhere. The medical teams refused to go in and pick up the bodies and do something with them for burial because it was that contagious. Many of those people had foam around their mouth as they were in their last stages and dying. And just if you even came in contact with any of that, you were going to have the plague. But John G. Lake was helping with the bodies. He was doing all of this. And, and medical personnel said, how are you doing this? Aren't you afraid? And why have you not been uh, infected yet? And he said, I'll show you why. Take some of that foam which I know sounds very gross. And he said, put it under the microscope and they could see all of this 
horrible bacteria that is killing people going to town. And he said, now we'll put some in my hand and now put it under that microscope. And the power of life in him was greater than the power of death. And he demonstrated that to them. He said, this is what I carry. And this life kills the death. This light kills the darkness. This power kills every negative power of the enemy. For greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And I'm seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. And the devil and sickness and disease is all under my feet. And he demonstrated that and had one of the greatest healing anointings that there ever has been in, the, in that century. So he demonstrated, I am carrying something. I don't care how deadly it is, put it in my hand and it will be destroyed by the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And we've got to realize that we are carriers of that kind of anointing. We need to sleep and eat revival. Wake up in the morning, revival, nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. Go to sleep, revival, nothing less, nothing more, nothing else. Eat our dinner, revival, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. We want to see people saved. We want to see the harvest come in. We want to see bodies healed. We want to see limbs grow out. We want to see God new, new organs for people, people baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, people delivered of addictions and depression and receive joy unspeakable and full of glory. People who are, who are hopeless suddenly have great hope and great expectancy and great faith. We have to want that so badly that that is what we are alive for. For we could go on to heaven now and be more blessed, much more blessed, trials over, nothing to have to overcome anymore. But you know why you and I are still on this earth? Not because he loves us. He does love us. You and I, if we know Jesus, are the apple of his eye. He does love us. But he could love on us more if we went to heaven. We are still alive because he loves somebody else. And you have a job to do, and I have a job to do, and it's to show the world Jesus and to do so by the power of the Holy Ghost, by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. So we sleep and eat revival. You and I need to become so Holy Ghost possessed. Yes, I use that word. If one person possessed by the devil can go into malls and schools and wreak the kind of havoc they do by opening up guns on, on people and, and just atrocious things that you think no human could even ever desire to do that. They are obviously possessed by the devil. But if they could do that, what could happen with the man or the woman who is so yielded to the Holy Ghost that he takes over their lives? They're directed by him. They hear from him. They operate closely with him. They obey him instantaneously. They're bold in him. They go wherever he says go. They say whatever he says say. They do whatever he says do. Like Jesus said, I can only do what I see my father do. I can only say what I hear my father say. If we could yield like that and tell us all Holy Ghost, very little of us, what could we do for a lost and dying world out there? So we need to become that way and expect miracles and expect the divine intervention of God. And if you do not remember, I think I said this earlier, but we're going to say it again. If you don't get into the supernatural realm, 
not only do you just produce more religion, but we can say it another way. This will shock some people. If you refuse to get into the supernatural realm, you might as well be under the law like they were in the old days <laughs> because you're operating with no power. You're just operating in your own willpower and your own good deeds and your own trying to achieve. We're living in an hour where way too many churches are going seeker sensitive. We saw this during COVID. Uh, there were churches that actually called offices, government offices, and said, hey, we just want you to know we're willing to shut down. How long would you like us to shut down for? How, when should we get started? Before they were even ordered to. And quite frankly, if they would have just obeyed the Bible, they wouldn't have thought about it anyway. If they would have had a relationship with the Holy Ghost, they wouldn't have thought about it. And then even in the natural realm, these were not laws. They were directives. And people constitutionally should know their rights and say, no, we refuse to bend or to bow. But if you have those kind of people that caved in over that, what do you think they're going to compromise about and cave in? But I hear stories anymore about churches that are supposed to be Holy Ghost churches. I heard some fairly recently about people who know me and they're supposed to be river people who said we wouldn't be able to have Debbie in. It would ruin our church. We can't have services that long. We can't have everybody on the floor. We're trying to do this slowly. Then we'll introduce the Holy Ghost. What? Who? What stream are you drinking out of? And why would river people meet with other pastors who are not river pastors to get their advice from them, how to build a church according to what country you're living in or according to, no, the Holy Ghost isn't different in different countries. If you're a river person, you are a wall to wall Holy Ghost person that will not compromise in any way. Besides that, if I was a person that went to a church that had a short service Nobody was ever on the floor, and certainly nobody was ever filmed being on the floor. And then one day you want to turn up the heat. This is actually who we really are. I just waited till you guys started to love us and got used to coming here. And then I thought I'd tell you who we really are. I would want to sue for false advertisement. This isn't the church I came into. I thought we had short services. I thought So you might as well hit it hard from day one with no compromise of this is who we are. You know, I love it that uh, just a few weeks ago, I was at the River uh, Cincinnati Church with uh, Pastors Jordan and, and Corey Bowman. And I did not even know that when I was back in the green room before the service that this had taken place. But I guess a lady was visiting and she was one of those disgruntled religious people that is going to find something wrong with everything. She was coming in telling them, hey, you're in a bad part of town. You should have had male ushers out there helping me enter the church. Oh, good grief. Talk about eating up a fear in the middle of broad daylight. But um, And then she didn't like it. They started a few minutes late. You shouldn't say you're starting at this time and you start at this time. She was criticizing things before they ever got started. And later the pastor... Uh, announced publicly, and then he told me more about it uh, back in the ready room, that he just, <laughs> I can't even believe I'm telling this, but uh, he felt so led to have this pre-service song lineup, you know, before they're even starting the service of this song. And he thought, what am I doing? And not while 
Dr. Debbie is here. It could chase people off, but he felt so led by the Holy Ghost to have this song in his lineup. I have actually never heard the song until he played it for me later, but it actually says something like, um, I hope I'm getting this right, something like, if you don't love Jesus, go to hell. And actually, that's what the Bible says. If you don't love Jesus, that's what's going to happen to you. So it's a warning, and it's kind of a humorous song. And he felt led to have it. Oh, that finished her off. So she told she left. And as soon as she left, she starts writing on Facebook all about this. And, of course, Pastor Corey, while he's up doing worship, can see some of this coming across. And so I don't even know it's taken place. But when he's supposed to be introducing me, he says, I'm going to let my wife do the nice introduction. I've got to address this. And he goes, I'm not backing off anything that the Holy Ghost tells me to do. And I'm, I am not going to compromise to keep people. You might as well know from day one who we are. And he says, we are hewn out of the same rock that our pastor is. The same pastor that says things and says them on purpose sometimes to, not sometimes, quite often, quite frequently, to offend the religious because he purposely offends the mind to try to get at the heart. He says, you know, you're going to get mad, glad or something, but you're going to get something. You aren't going to leave just like you came. And so pastor will talk about, you know, in the pavilion, how we have (laughs) big ass fans, big ass heaters that's actually the brand of them and he says it quite frequently to watch you know the karens and the crowd go did he just say that word (laughs) and because you can't even have a move of the holy ghost if you stay in your natural religious mind and so We've got these churches going seeker-sensitive one compromise at a time, sometimes five at a time. But um, our God isn't a seeker-sensitive. Oh, he came to seek and save the lost. But he didn't water down who he is, who the Holy Ghost is, to reach them. I mean, you don't ask a child who doesn't know anything about what they need when they're going into kindergarten, how would you like school to be? Oh, you want it to be all recess and all candy? and and no teaching, then that's what we'll do because we just want you to come to school. Are you kidding me? That five-year-old doesn't know what he or she needs. You tell them, I know what is needed. You need an education. You need to learn how to read. You need to learn that two plus two equals four. There will be time for the playground. There will be time for a snack. But that's not what we can do all the time. Why is it then this move got created that we just find out what the people want? What do you want? Shorter services? We'll do that. No Holy Ghost presence? We'll do that. Um, Nobody getting louder saying amen? Then we'll do that. You don't want anybody in the floor that offends you? Okay, you don't have to worry about it. We won't do that. You just want more uh, social clubs and a better baseball team at the church, that's what we'll work on. You want more babysitters in the nursery, then that's what you got. But we will not offend you because we just want you to come to back. Come back. They could come back until Jesus comes and we'll still be going to hell. They've never been confronted about sin. They've never been confronted about that they have to have a real living experience in salvation not just attending a building. I never thought I'd see the day 
that supposedly Pentecostal churches, there's nothing about them that you can even tell, resembles a Pentecostal church when you go in the majority of them anymore. So that has to change. If God's only as big as your mental ability, he is certainly not anywhere near big enough. He is only a figment of your imagination. If you can hold him in your hand and explain him and predict everything that he can do, he is way too small. What causes the kind of manifestations like every bar in the town closing like Finney had in his day and in the Welch revival and sports closing down, all of all of these awesome things? Um, you know, in, during Finney's day, I believe, or was it the Welch revival? People, the few people that still tried to go to bars would order a beer and it is recorded that their elbow would be locked on the counter. <laughs> Even when they tried to get it to their mouth, they would throw it behind them. That's some powerful Holy Ghost that reaches the bar. And horses would, would be t supposedly taking them somewhere else and would come in front of the church and buck them off in front of the church. Then I believe that today... A Mercedes can still buck people off at the church. That a Chevrolet can buck people off at the church. So what causes these powerful things that have been recorded in revival history? These are happen when somebody got desperate. Somebody got hungry and thirsty. Somebody said, I must have a Holy Ghost download at any cost. And then I must continually live in greater downloads. You've, we've got to have what the early church had to do what the early church did. That's pretty simple. And remember, on the day of Pentecost, they had that, I'm going to borrow a title from my pastor. You've got to, they had the first Rock Your World Upper Room Conference where 120 people uh, that looks like a little remnant got so filled that it changed history, changed the world, and changed what we have today. The power of God hit, and instead of just one anointed person running around, like when Jesus was on the earth, now you have 120 full of the Holy Ghost, and just a little further in the chap uh, chapter, you now have 3,000 saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, and then that kept multiplying until it went all over the world. Peter's shadow again even had revival in it. So this is what Smith Wigglesworth had. This is what Charles Finney had. This is what Evan Roberts had in the Welch Revival. This is what uh, William Seymour had at Azusa Street. Charles Parham had. This is what Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, John G. Lake all had. This is what every revivalist from A.A. A. Allen to uh, Jack Coe to, to Oral Roberts to Brother Kenneth Hagan and all the way up to Pastor Rodney and the day we're living in. This is what they all had Hold and still have. Holy Ghost downloads where I can't get enough. Give me your fire. Send your fire. And I don't care how it comes. I don't care what I look like, but I will not go another day until I have your fire. And that's still the way. It is had today. And when I say it, I'm not talking about the Holy Ghost, or I would have said he. I'm talking about the fire that he produces. I'm talking about that download, that impartation that he produces. It still comes the same way today. 
And so we need that same power today. We need it to compete with the occult, with the new age, with gangs, with drugs. But you and I have to contend for it. We have to contend for the faith. We have to contend for the move of the Holy Ghost, the way the saints of old did, if we're going to have what they had. We aren't having the, the results of the Bible simply for one reason. Wherever you don't have the results, it's because we haven't done stuff God's way. We haven't done it the way that they did it. And if ever we need a demonstration, it's right now in the day that we're living in. And we have all this junk out there and we have more coming down the pike and religion isn't going to be able to even hold up anything against it. But you and I are the restraining force in the world today, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost people. We're the ones who have not allowed the Antichrist spirit that's in the world today to do what it wants to do right now. We've said not on our watch. We hold you back for a while longer. Not on our watch. We are the blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Ghost. And we will see this world upended for God. We are nation shakers. We are water walkers. We are fire starters. We will occupy until he comes and we will take the land and we will write history because we have had Holy Ghost impartations in Jesus name. Amen.